Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. How are you going? I'm good. I feel loose. Yeah, me too. Feel loose. loose as a goose. <sighs> I had a weird, uh, weird breakfast that made me think of you. Uh, how did it go? Uh, you know, it went pretty good. I did. I uh, went really easy. I went in and I ate uh, half half of a boar's head pepperoni. Just ate it. Oh, you're my hero. Mm-hmm. It's like a da super Jaeger. <laughs> Uh, was that your? Was that the entirety of your breakfast? Yes, that's the best breakfast ever. I don't like making Half pans. Pepperoni. I don't like making pans. <laughs> I might I be. I feel like some kind of an. I don't know. Some kind of Appalachian caricature. I just if I can like have one pan to clean, I feel like I've really scored. Last time I had breakfast for lunch last week, I, I did it all in one pan. I did. I did smash browns. I did ham and I did eggs all in the. <laughs> Pan like a prospector. Sure, you don't want to make three pans. <laughs> I don't want to have to have three pans pan. to clean. <laughs> <laughs> then I cracked an egg on it, and then I put on the spaghetti too. Two, two fresh cracked <laughs> eggs and gunpowder. It's good. Get off of you my know, claim. You know, Hodgman loves to make tote in the hole. Oh, yeah, like an egg in a bastic. Yeah, anytime you go to his house at any time of the day or night, he'll say, Toad in the hole? You want a toad in the hole? I'll make a toad in the hole. I love a, love a toad in the hole. We, we, what do we call it? We call it, uh, uh, oh God, so eggy and a bready, some people yep. call it. Eggy and a bready. I don't even remember what I call Never it now. But I love, I'll take a shot glass, I'll knock out the middle of the bread and toast it, and so much butter. How does he make it? Uh, you know, I never, I was not, we didn't eat toads in holes where I came from. <laughs> uh, you know, Alaska doesn't really have toads, first of all. So it was like, mm. oh, I don't know what you would call it up there. You'd call it a, you'd call it a marmoset and a, and a, marmo, a mar, marmoset and a Chevy Vega, I guess is what you'd call it. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but you know, so yeah, he takes a piece of nice bread, he puts a cup on it and he takes the center out and then. Uh, and just tons of butter, and he's using a cast iron pan because he he likes those now. Mm-hmm. And uh, cracks an egg in it, and then uh, I don't know whether I think he might even put some cheese on there. Some people will cheese. You can uh, you can grate some cheese. It's a it's a really nice thing, and you know he likes to. He's somebody who likes to to to. to he, he, uh, who who was it? I was at somebody's house the other day. Oh, I was at my friend Cal's house, mm-hmm. and uh, I was going with another friend over there and I and I wrote Cal in advance and I said, Hey, you know, my friend's a vegetarian right now or, you know, has some special food needs. And uh and my other friend was like, Oh, don't do that. I don't want to inconvenience them. I don't want to no, you shouldn't have told him that. I'll just I'll be fine. I'll do whatever. And I was like, listen, yes, that's true, but also Somebody like my friend Cal, he just wants to have an excuse to make something special for you. Mm-hmm. Like, don't this whole like I'm fine, I'm fine. Don't, don't inconvenience anybody is actually depriving someone like Cal or someone like John Hodgman of that of that opportunity to be the great host that they want to be. Yeah. And I was absolutely right when we got over to Cal's house. He was like, "Well, I got this, but I also made you this, and here's this other thing." You know, just like. Just wanting so desperately to, to you know, to to like parent and 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 just like shelter other people. Mm-hmm. Some people, um, some people, it's an improv opportunity. They like the creativity and the graciousness yep. of being a host who figures out how to not just do it, but do it in a in a fun way. It's not it's not necessarily an inconvenience. Yeah, right. And that whole thing of like, oh, I'm a vegan or I'm a vegetarian or I don't eat olives or I don't like potatoes. Whatever your thing is, you know, whatever your normal thing is. Like just being a normal person who doesn't eat potatoes, uh, 
I feel like there's this nice, there's this really thin line between telling people about it in a way that's kind of shitty, that's like entitled, right? You know, like, oh, you're having a pizza party? Yes, I'm coming, but I don't eat pizza. Or, or the, this other thing where it's like, no, 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 that's fine. I don't need any special treatment. And then you kind of just sit there and just like chew on a toothpick because nobody right. knew that you needed other food. There's a thing right up the middle where you're just like, hi, this is what I'm doing right now. I am fine either way. I'm fine if you don't want to accommodate it. I'm fine if you do. I've had a real change of heart over the years about this in a very general way about all kinds of things as I become a slightly more aware of how people are different and have their needs and aren't all privileged me. Um, you know, there's lots of things where, where like, you know, you don't want to, th- we used to think of these things as being inconvenient accommodations for weirdos. Right. Like, special. Think, yeah. Or like, where yeah. Like, but just that you're weird. Like you're the, you're the one kid who can't have peanuts or something like that. And I, I, I feel for people in that position. I mean, it's like we say on when you're designing a website, you know, accessibility is good for everybody. If you make something accessible to everybody, eventually everybody will need it, but it's also good because anybody can change the size of the type or do it on a JAWS reader if they are, have uh, sight issues. But uh, I saw one the other day, last time I had to travel, when I'm flying out of SFO, I always get this breakfast, kind of disgusting, but okay breakfast sandwich. And this poor <laughs> woman right in front of me in line, she was, she felt bad about it. She was like, yeah, my son has a peanut allergy. And, and the person working there, there was, you know, some language issues. And she was like, yeah, so is there any peanut oil or is there peanut stuff here? And they're like, uh, I don't know. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. And she came back and she was like, um, can you find out? And she felt like she was so inconveniencing this person. Like, can you find out? Because, you know, I probably should get something else. But like, This will this, literally kill my child, right? Right. But like she's been, she doesn't want to inconvenience anybody, but she's in a position. I don't know if it was the mom. I don't know if it was like an aunt who was watching the kid, but like she was, she was struggling with that. And the folks who worked there couldn't or didn't want to go too far to like help her. They weren't going to go in back and like really find out. And the answer she knew in her heart, probably the answer probably was, yeah, whatever they say, act like there's peanuts in it. And yeah, I don't right. know. I mean, I hate, I don't want to sound like I'm virtue signaling here, but like that's that we shouldn't have to feel bad about that. You should not have to feel bad about saying to Cal, do not put a potato on my plate or I will send it back. Yeah. You're very clear with servers about this, John. You're very clear about this. I don't want it on the side. I, oh, yeah. If you could prepare it in a non-potato kitchen, I'd be fine with that. The thing is that a lot of uh, most kitchens, but uh, I mean, most most restaurants just shovel potatoes onto plates. It, it, it's like the number one. It's just the first thing they do when they're plating something mm-hmm. is like shovel one. Basically, one half of this plate should always have potatoes on it because they're the cheapest garbage food that you can buy. Never give it a second thought. And we soak it in grease, and we cover it with salt, and then that will that people think that's food, and they're paying money for what they what we are calling food here. And I'm like, look, I don't want potatoes. I don't want to see a potato. I'm not I'm not being a problem. I'll pay extra. I will yeah. pay extra to not have a potato. Mm-hmm. I just don't want it. And and they're always like, sure, no problem. And they write it down. And then about twenty five percent of the time, the thing comes out. And there's a plate of potatoes. Yeah, because they just shovel it on there. They're not thinking. Now you got to be that guy. But the thing is, I'm never, I'm never like, miss. Uh, I didn't order potatoes or whatever. I just that when they come back around, I say, this happened the last time I had breakfast with you. This happened, and you handled it in a very sane way. I was like, can I have an extra plate? And they're like, sure. And they bring an extra plate, and I put the potatoes on it. I think what you said was, (laughs) 
I said, mm-hmm. I don't want potatoes on this. Could you please mm-hmm. take this back and bring me a plate that does not have potatoes on it? Did I say that mm-hmm. at, at a restaurant that you and I went to? Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes it's a situation where the potatoes are in there. If they're intrusive, yes. you know, an, an intrusive potato, yeah, like an invasive exotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Any kind of it's nightshades. Like, yeah. If you got your potatoes over here and your food over here, that's mm-hmm. one thing. But mm-hmm. if you got, if it's like, if it's like the food and the potatoes can't be extricated, then yeah, mm. you got to I'm sorry. You know, like let's 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 shoot the moon here. Let's go one more time at this. Uh, but I think, I I think do, we're I, all special, and we shouldn't have to feel weird. Is my feeling. I feel like I'm really coming around to that. I mean, I may not express it in every single thing that I do, but I, I am really coming around to that. That like. You know, just what you're really objecting to is some, if somebody makes a face about it, what they're really objecting to is that this person has the temerity to ask you to do something that isn't automatic. Yeah, right. Well, although I think you and I both have for a long time been conscious, and I think most of our listeners are conscious of the fact that that should be the way the world is, but also don't abuse it. Oh, right, right, right. And, you know, like, and we're, and I think we all encounter people that we feel like are abusing it. And that's a tough thing. That's not a thing you want to systematize. You don't want to do the thing that is so popular in our country now, which is, which is systematize the assumption that people are going to abuse it rather than systematize the assumption that, that people are being honest about what they need. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it should be. We should always assume that people are being honest about what they need and not presume that that everybody is trying to <laughs> work some scam on us. You know? uh, there's a podcast that um, you kind of unintentionally introduced me to that I listen to a lot now, and they had a running bit for a while called, <laughs> called Subway Hacks, which is people coming up with all of these different ways <laughs> to like make the server's life hell so you get slightly more of something you consider valuable out of Subway. <laughs> At Subway? At Subway. There's all these, there's apparently like a whole culture. Well, you know, there's the whole culture of like how to get more stuff for free, especially, you know, from businesses and restaurants. And like, oh, you I know, guess. on your birthday, they have to give you a free cone. Oh, you right, all right, right, right. Like, oh, what was it? There was, there was one of those. The, oh, I got a ticket. I got a ticket from a remote camera. Oh, like a speeding ticket. Really? I was going 26 miles an hour in a 20 mile an hour zone. On a big road, on a like a four-lane divided road. Okay. And it was 20 miles an hour because it was a school zone. And I know the neighborhood because my daughter goes to the very school. Oh, no. And I was going to pick her up at school. And I was uh, late enough that I was going 27 whole miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, have, I don't know the last time you were in a car, Merlin, but if... You're going 27 miles an hour. It doesn't feel fast. I do not drive these days, but here's one thing I will tell you. Anytime in my life and up till now when my wife is doing the driving, when we see one of those cars, when we see one of those little signs that says, hey, did you know you're going this fast? We're never not speeding at one of those signs. <laughs> and I, I mean, we're, it's a safe driving family, but I know exactly what you mean. 27 yeah. is a very, try driving 27 miles an hour. It's slow. It's really slow. I'm and not it, trying to excuse what you did, but I'm just saying it's, it's not like you were going 150 in a 60 zone. I, I I drove one time uh, in the last couple of years from Sacramento, uh, from the Sacramento airport up to like up to a town in Northern California um, because I was uh, retrieving my I was retrieving my GMCRV. Yeah, yeah. It was up there. Uh, someone in the black book. Uh, ha, who lived in Red Bluff, California, was had repaired 
my GMCRV and I landed in Sacramento and I had a, I had um, actually my millennial girlfriend mm-hmm. pick me up. And as we were driving up, I said, because it was, we were, we had a weird relationship. It was a weird relationship. Let's be honest. And right. I, I, I got into, she had rented a SUV and I actually got in the back seat hmm. and I said, I would like you to obey all posted signs and like all speed limit signs, hmm. all posted traffic signs, I would like you to obey them to the letter. Okay. While I ride in the back and explain how roads work. Hmm. And it was exceedingly difficult. Yeah. Because it's like, well, this off, you know, this off ramp from the road is 30 miles an hour. And even though we weren't going 80 because that because the posted speed limit was 65, which was hard enough, but then, you know, you need to slow to 30 now because we have to be at 30 based on this sign and all that stuff. Every little on the highway, like the speed limits go up and down. Things are happening all the time. And if you are not if you're not doing what we all do, which is just get up to speed and go where we're going. But yeah. if you're watching those signs and following them, it's crazy. Driving is feels insane. Oh, these are, in Florida, it's the worst. I mean, in Florida, there's all these now people who go up and down 75 know where the speed traps are, where you, I don't know what the speed limit now is, like 65, but then there'll be this right outside of town, it suddenly drops to 40, and nobody catches that sign. No, gonna, is, there, the, is there a point in the story where you're going to explain why this particular trip you wanted her to honor all laws? Were you, were you a drug mule at the time? Well, no, see... Uh, you know, part of, and I, I don't think I've talked about this a lot on the program, maybe not at all, uh, but part, uh, like an element of our relationship was uh, founded in, and this was, and this was introduced by her early on in the relationship. She's from San Francisco, mm-hmm. right? Which is a kind of, you know, San Francisco is a little bit of an edgy town. It's a little bit of a dangerous kind of scene down there. You guys are famously sort of edgy. Right? Castro and so forth. Oh, yeah. We're all walking around with our flick knives and dancing yeah. in rows. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Everybody's got handcuffs for a belt, you know? Keep it cool, down there. boy. <laughs> Once you're a jet. From your first the- cigarette to your last dying day. <laughs> Don't fuck with the wongs. <laughs> um, but so she introduced the idea into the relationship that she wanted us to be, how do you say, um, she, let's just put it this way. She perceived me to be a dominant male. Okay. If, if you will. Mm-hmm. And e- she was ego a, assertive, uh, just in, in ways, I guess that within the, within a particular subculture, it's understood that you are, you know, you are a very law, lo- you're just large and in charge, let's say. Mm-hmm. And she was diminutive, but a but a but a, you know a powerhouse in just strong work. personality, strong personality. Mm-hmm. She was a she's not a not not a um, you not, know not, she's not, like, not a shrinking violet, as my grandmother used to say. Not a shrinking violet, but she had a very small shoe size, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's like a small person, but a power, but a lawyer in in her day, and she needed to be in charge during her work hours. But then after work, she wanted to assume a more uh, oh sub- submissive. This gonna be a shades of gray thing. So, so this was oh all, this was all very new to me. I was being introduced <laughs> okay. to a, to a subculture <laughs> okay. and, it, and in right. a way, in a way okay. I felt, 
I felt, uh, I, in some ways, I felt seen for the first time. You know, like, oh, wow, I understand. Like, it, within this subculture, You're a bad I, bossy boy. I'm a, uh, I'm a certain type, right? I'm a character that is a, like a fetish item, no. even. If you can find a person like me that has all the sure, qualities call, that I call have. Sure, call a bear. Yeah, how exciting. <laughs> You're the and total package. So I was the total package. Uh And so as a component of this, there were all these kind of, I was always trying to invent some situations where the dynamic, this, this dynamic, um, could be, uh, put into play. I was like, Oh, you know, because I'm not somebody that's like, Oh, you know, like, uh, Oh, I, 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 in a way, it isn't natural to me because I'm I'm a Northwestern person. My my typical way of going about things is like, is everybody cool? Is everybody cool? Is it fine? Is I'm because yeah. I'm cool. If you're cool, I'm cool. And this was much more like, here's how I want it. Uh, that was the expectation, right? right? That I would that I would have strong feelings about how things went, okay. and I would want things to go my way. And this is exciting within the subculture, right? Like. Mm-hmm. You want, here's this person who wants it to go his way, and here's this other person who wants to, who wants to, who wants to serve. To, to be guided. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be guided, that's right. Uh, and so this was an instance where I was like, I'm not going to drive, nor am I going to sit in the passenger seat, I'm going to sit in the back. And also, obey all, pa- uh, all posted signs. And what was interesting is, a lot of people don't, they they don't think about driving, right? They they learn to drive at some point. Someone uh, sort of haphazardly taught them to drive, and then they're off to the races. And you know, you see people like this all the time that are driving. We t- used to talk about them constantly. I was like, "What are you thinking? Don't do that." And you realize they just never. No one thoughtfully explained how roads work. Right. And this was an instance where it had never. No one had ever explained to her, and it had never occurred to her that when a when a highway turns, there is a constant radius, right? Someone takes a protractor out and on a piece of paper draws a curve with the idea that you set your steering wheel into the curve and right. you should be able to just hold that turn. It's not a set of six... Uh oblique angles it's a curve right yeah it's yeah exactly it's not a hexagon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so we would we're driving and she would take these big wide sweeping curves and it would be like turn 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 a little little bit herky-jerky and i so eventually i was like oh i see you you need like a little bit of um training (laughs) for lack of a better term (laughs) oh god I'm so uncomfortable right now. About how... A little bit of fatherly direction. Mm-hmm. A little direction about how to go into a curve okay. and to set a constant turn and then pr- and then follow through on that, keeping, a, keeping your speed up. You know, there's like all this kind of technique about it. And it was and it was sort of revelatory for her. She never she it had never occurred to her that that was how it worked. And I was like, imagine the focal point of this turn out there in the desert somewhere. There is a point around which this turn goes. And the point is 200 yards out into the scrub there. And you just need to find that point in your mind. And that's what we're turning around. We're not just like, they didn't build this corner to go around a cactus. It's like, we are making a, 
We're making a big arcing turn, and then it's going to come, and it's going to turn the other way. It was a really interesting night. It really was. We both learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but it was it really was an eye opener to me because until I conceived of this uh, adventure, uh, it's sort of like on the fly. I'd never driven a long stretch of road where I was obeying all the signs. I didn't. I had no idea how many signs there were. That's a real exercise in mindfulness, honestly. You'd be amazed how much stuff you're just not paying attention to. We've all had that experience that you're driving for a while, and then you forget that you're driving. But mm-hmm. you've driven safely the whole time, presumably. But two minutes later, you're like, oh my gosh, I, what, where am, what am I doing? Yeah, how did I get here? Yeah. And especially if you are driving 65 miles an hour on a highway where everybody else is going 90, mm-hmm. you need to be out of their way. And not create a hazard. But also, if you're coming up on a truck that's going 60 miles an hour and people are going 90 in the other lane, this is a math problem. You don't want to get up too close to the truck before Mm -hmm. you go around it. But you don't want to merge out into the left lane and then some guy going 90 has to slam on his brakes. Like, it's a there's a lot of timing that you have to think about if you're also going to be following the signs. If you're not, if you're just like, all right, here we go around the truck. Um, and you can, you know, you can, I, I think, exceed the speed limit briefly if you're passing. Uh, but yeah, it was a great experiment. But the other day, I got this ticket for going 27 in a 20. And I was... From, from a camera. From a camera. Mm-hmm. And I was mad about it because this is a thing we used to have to deal with in Europe all the time, speed cameras. But that's not a, it's not American. It's really just not the American way. They raise a lot like, of money, these things. I know, but like in the USA, put a cop out there. Come on, it's part of the interaction that we have with our, with our authority systems. Cop pulls you over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cop pulls you over. I was scared as hell. I said, I don't have a license, but I drive very well, officer. Hmm. Yeah. Girls of the world I'll, ain't nothing but trouble. <laughs> I almost had a heart attack that day. Is that a Will Smith song you're doing? Sorry, it is. Yeah, it is. No, no. I, I, I just, I didn't know the words. I recognized <laughs> it from the cadence. Good job. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I get a ton of replies on social media because, of course, I socially mediated this experience. Yeah. Of people saying, "Oh, you don't have to pay those. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is claim someone else was driving the car, or all you have to do is swear to an affidavit that you." Um, you know, that you're a member of a religious community that doesn't obey posted speed limits or, you know, there were all these like life hacks like your there's like there's you, so many. I, I, this is an interesting online culture. There's a whole bunch of different vectors into just parking tickets where there's like there's been services that will go in and say like, well, OK, how did you know? Did you write this down? Did you it, did this six look like a P like there's all this kinds of like like technicality stuff down to like figuring out what days the cop is least likely to appear in court. You know, that kind of thing. But it, but it right. sounds like that, that exists with the with speed cameras, too. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people were saying the speed camera companies are contracted by the city and they have no actual enforcement ability. And so if you don't pay the ticket, they're just like it, it's basically like a collection agency. They they just oh, interesting. They might they might pester you, but well, they that's don't not have medieval at all. Jesus. I know. Right. <sighs> but a lot of what the a lot of people were very, very. uh generously and also sort of um, in good spirit offering me these solutions. Um, And it felt like part of this culture of like, if you go into Subway and you say the magic six words, you get an extra piece of ham. (laughs) Well, if you learn your sandwich's true name, you can exploit its powers. (laughs) 
I went into a subway years ago when it was kind of one of the first ones I went into. And the guy behind the counter was like the manager, I guess. And we were making we were making some noise, some jokes. And he was joking with us. And he said, listen, if you can tell me what BMT stands for, I'll give you the sandwich for free. Biggest, meatiest, tastiest. And I was like, uh, BMT. And we were all looking at each other. And I was like, this is the kind of thing that I have to get right. Yes. I need to get this right. You've been preparing your whole life for this. And steam was coming out of my ears, and he was just laughing. Mm. And I couldn't do it. And what it stands for is the Brooklyn Manhattan Tunnel. Oh, stop. Yeah. Turns the BMT, out. BMT sandwiches, the Brooklyn Manhattan Tunnel, because the this, this, this store is called Subway. And in the very early days. So that was, it, that was a retronym when they made it yeah. biggest, meatiest, tastiest. Yeah, because it was like it was like this can't be yogurt. Uh, no and fucking way like, is this yogurt. Then they were like, no, it's this country's best yogurt, mm. which is like boo. It should still be this can't be yogurt because it's so good it can't be yogurt. They did that with uh, with Kentucky Fried Chicken became KFC, and then they they retro retrocon retconned it to it means a uh, kitchen fresh chicken, <laughs> 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 which is a thing people say because they're normal. Definitely not that. Prepare at for all. me, please. Some kitchen fresh chicken. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting MacWeldon.com. Here's what you need to know. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. They checked on the internet. That is an empirical fact. Mac Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. This is an easy read for me, you guys. As you know, I'm a huge fan of Mac Weldon. I buy tons of their stuff with my very own American money. They make stuff like shirts, pants, hoodies, socks, and yes, perhaps best known for their underwear. These pieces are all just insanely comfortable, sturdy, and well-made. They fit great. They look handsome. And they feel just amazing. Uh, my favorite from Mac Weldon is their shirts. I have many of their shirts. They make something called the Pima Cotton Long Sleeve T-Shirt. I wear one of these every day. I'm wearing one of them right now. It's kind of a... I'm wearing kind of a, a middle darkish blue one. But I also have the light blue ones. I got the black ones. I got the green ones. The duffel green. I got them all. They are the best. Another one I love. Believe it or not, they're plain white t-shirts these are the best they're hardy well tailored they got a nice long tail that helps keep your shirt tucked in all day like a big boy i switched to these last year and i never look back of course they also have their magical underwear you've heard about these mac weldon has a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial that means they eliminate odor and mac weldon wants you to be comfortable so if you don't like what you got from them you keep it and they will still refund you no questions asked what a deal mac weldon so listen you head over to MacWeldon.com, have a look around when you found something that you like, you're ready to check out, please use our very special promo code ROTL, just like it sounds, ROTL, and that's going to get you 20% off your first order. What a great sponsor. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. But <laughs> what, I, what I felt like with this ticket was, listen, what you guys are saying is that I swear on an affidavit that I was not doing a thing that I was doing. Yeah, which I will not do. No, like, no, 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 no. I will, I will ignore a ticket by a company that doesn't have authority over me. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, because I was going 27 in a 20. Right. And and I don't believe in cheating on my taxes. So you would you would <laughs> offer up procedural problems before you would try to contravene what had actually happened. 
I would write a letter and say, this is ludicrous. I was going 27 miles an hour and to rigidly enforce a 20 mile. I, what I would say is if there was an officer posted there, he would not have pulled me over because he would have been conserving his energy to pull someone over that was going 40 in a 20. Mm -hmm. And that is the way of the world. That is the way of our roads. And you presume that if you're going less than 10 miles an hour over any speed limit, you're fine because a cop isn't going to, it's not worth their while unless you're also driving with a, uh, with a, uh, headlight out or in a lot of places in the United States, if you are black or two black people in a car, uh, you will get pulled over for doing anything. Yep. Apparently. But if it, it in my case, 27 miles over would not, I would not see rollers in my rearview mirror because the police officer would say there are bigger fish to fry. Mm -hmm. But now you got this speed camera and you can ding everybody that's a mile over the speed yeah, limit. Yeah, right. It's a rebel cop type situation. And it is unjust. It is an example of AI being used inappropriately by municipalities. And I protest, but I won't say I wasn't doing it. And I, and if you go into a subway and you say, hey, pal, like, I'm nice. You're just a kid. We're both here. It's 2.30 in the morning. My friend Merlin is ordering six sandwiches because he wants us to try every one. You want to throw for the one for the table. You want to throw an extra meatball on there just because, you know. <laughs> extra meat for a dollar. Just because we're like cool cats. You right. know, I'll, I'll slip you a dollar. You want a long winter CD? I got one in yeah, the trunk. I can do that. I can make that happen. But to be in there like hacking I'll some make you system, a moderator on the site. <laughs> You know, exactly. But to roll up in there with a KFC bucket and say, I'm going to fill this with with uh, with like Fanta because you guys don't have a policy against it. Yeah. I just feel like, uh, yeah, no, no, yeah. like hack every system you can, but don't, you know, don't be a like dingling just because you can. Right. No, that's a good point. A lot of people will be a dingling because they can. Mm-hmm. Because nobody's watching, or because you know, and it's like it's like how we, it's like how our Congress is doing right now, or how how the presidency has been diminished because it's like, oh, it turns out we never actually wrote down anywhere right. that the president president shouldn't have a stripper pole in the Oval Office, <laughs> and so apparently it's it never, never said anywhere that I have to act like an adult. <laughs> and so I've, I've, I've had people read the documents. Very, very best people have told me I do not have to act like an adult. And and the rest of us are looking around like, did we never write that down? Should have written that uh, down. I yeah. guess that should have been something we thought to write down. Didn't think to write it down. So don't don't <laughs> live like that. Mm -mm. You know, obey the obey the gen obey the spirit of the law. So what you did? You pay the ticket? Yeah, I paid the ticket. Shit. Because it ends up being, you know, it's <clears> just <throat> like I'm just one voice crying out among millions of souls all crying out at once yeah. and, and being extinguished. Disturbance like, in the force, yeah. Somewhere there's an Obi-Wan Kenobi who had to sit down and and look off into space. Not for long, but just for a minute. You just need to just sit for down a for a minute. Just for a second. I'm exploring the world of secret menus, and it is bad fucking news. Give me some examples. Oh, God. Okay, so I'm on... <laughs> uh, this is hackthemenu.com. Hack, hack the menu. Hack the menu. And this is just a lot of real... A lot of it's just real stupid stuff. <laughs> like, like I put two kinds of flavors in my McFlurry or whatever. Hee hee, <laughs> put an apple pie in there. Some of these are just just horrible abortions. Here's the land, sea, and air. Hee hee, I can rap. Hee hee, I can rap. The, the land, sea, and air burger. Uh, let's see. It's uh, so basically you order a Big Mac 
or a McDouble, a flan of fish, and a McChicken, and then you put them all together into one sandwich. That's a hack. You have them do it? Or no, you, you do it sit- at your table like a monster. Oh, okay. Can you okay. believe that? Okay. I wish. $8.49, wish. all told. Here's when they call it the 1035, the Mc1035. Because 1035, you know, switching over breakfast. So this is, you get a uh, you get an egg McMuffin with extra McDouble burger patties, $349. Okay, say that again. An egg McMuffin. Mm-hmm. And then you add the, the patties from a McDouble to it. I mean, that sounds pretty good if you ate it with a knife and fork. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm having trouble coming up with the subway hacks. I mean, the, one of the classics is the um, the old style cut. You can go in and say, what's it called? You can go in and order old cut. Because remember they thing? used, well, remember you used to get the little miniature loaf of bread and they would cut a divot out of the top and then sort of rough in all of the parts and then put that little hat back on. Yeah. Yeah. You can order what that. What do you they say, do now? Well, now they just, I think they just cut it and cut it in half. Oh, they don't do the old cut. A Subway old cut was once the only way they cut their sandwiches. That was over 10 years ago. They stopped cutting their sandwiches. Wow, time flies. Uh, You may get lucky and find a Subway artisan who knows the secret menu trick and is willing to cut your sub the old cut way. Oh, somebody that's been working there a long time. Mm -hmm. Now, Now I'm on the Arby's secret menu. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Apparently, you can get an Arby's French Dip Max. Which is a regular French chip sandwich with twice the meat and Swiss. But, I mean, most of these are just order two things, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I wonder I wonder how much French dip max costs double the meat on a French dip. and very, then, but Varies it by location, it looks like. Yeah. They, they ought to... That doesn't seem like a secret. I've been doing that for 25 years. I've been doing that for 35 years. Can you give me extra meat for a dollar? And oh, like, I do this I, all the time. I mean, I, I think I don't need a website in order to know that you can take two, two sandwiches and make it into one super sandwich. I've been doing yeah. that for a while. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing that since that. you were in short pants, buddy. The, but meat, you know, the, the meat mountain, that's a thing. The whole In-N-Out burger thing where you <sighs> go in and order it animal style and all. Exhausting. <laughs> It's just give it give it to me. Animal paleo. What? No. What are the options? Yeah, the it's animal like, ones. I think it's onions and mustard, something like that. I mean, it's just there, there, there's one where you get it with no bun. You just get it between two slices of lettuce. I've done that. I've done that <laughs> when I was trying to be paleo. But you know what happened to that guy? He slipped on the ice. Uh, he hit his head and died. I don't want to die like that. What the guy? The, 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 the version of you, the version of you that was doing paleo. I'm stealing your joke. <laughs> when paleo was popular and everybody was doing paleo, and then the guy died, you go, "Why? Well, you know, that guy died." And people will be like, "Yeah, well, he slipped on ice." He's like, "Yeah, I don't want that to happen to me." <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you can't say you can't say that there's no connection. How do you Roderick. know? Yeah, I don't know, man. I just just life is so short, you know. I mean, oh, life is short in the one sense of like, just get two sandwiches. Don't don't make a big wink. Just get two sandwiches, and if you want to have a big sandwich by yourself <laughs> in a fast food restaurant, Hakuna Matata. But like, do you really have to make life difficult for the people who work there? You know, do you have to be cute? Do you have to feel like you're in on something special? You're part of some secret society at fucking In and Out Burger, which is already not the best burger. Well, now this is this thing is called the McGangbang. Mm. That it's is problematic. One of, it's one of McDonald's's most famous secret menu items. Gangbang. Um, well, now this is a problem here because as they're writing it, they did not say McDonald's with an apostrophe. They went McDonald apostrophe S, uh. which is not it because it's McDonald's. Oh, here it is. Okay. Simply order a McDouble and a McChicken, uh-huh. and then the McChicken sandwich is placed directly inside of the McDouble. <laughs> Need a website? 
Get two sandwiches, so, make them into one sandwich. So for $2, according to this, <laughs> you've created a huge tasty sandwich. How tasty does that sound? Mm-hmm. It mm. sounds pretty tasty. A McChicken inside of a McDouble. Inside inside of a of a, of a turducken. It's a painful, godforsaken <laughs> turducken of protein-esque. Okay, you know who I bet is good at this? I bet, let's look at Taco Bell. I bet Taco Bell is great at this. Well, they only have four menu items. But the, yeah, so. exactly, exactly. It's unlimited. Oh, discontinued, discontinued, discontinued. You can ask for very, the incredible, oh, this is awful. Double grilled quesadilla. And sh- no, I'm closing this. This is no good. Well, they started doing that themselves, right? Putting tacos inside of other tacos, of flour tortillas, and then rolling it into a burrito. I and feel like, like I remember one of their earlier experience ex- uh, experiments in this. I think they called it the du- double decker, maybe. But yeah. it was a hard shell taco inside of a of a tortilla with refried beans, and you wrap it around that like that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a burger! I, I mean, miss you have to burger. be you have to be so stoned. I talk about drives me crazy because they don't have regular Mountain Dew. They got that blue Mountain Dew, Baja Blast. Uh, what is that now? Well, the Does only it... time I ever want a Mountain Dew in life is when I'm getting KFC. I always crave Mountain Dew with KFC. They pair nicely together. But our KFC, which, as you know, is a tiny little Taco Bell KFC, all they yeah. have is uh, Baja Blast Mountain Dew. Like, who's that for? Oh, Baja Blast Baja Mountain Blast. Dew, but they don't have real Mountain Dew. They don't have regular yellow Mountain Dew. You know when I when I have uh, when I have a rider, mm-hmm. um, I always say it's not necessary that you put Mountain Dew on our rider, but if you do, um, it should be green. Mm-hmm. Don't put any red Mountain Dew. Don't put any extreme Mountain Dew. Don't put any like teen youth Bible Mountain Dew. I just want green <laughs> Mountain Dew. Extreme I, Teen Bible. Extreme Teen Bible Mountain Dew. <laughs> right. And I and, and people will reply sometimes and say, You mean lemon lime? And I say, No. What I want. Green. What I want <laughs> is green. And I don't, you know, I don't if you want to call it between your knees. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse I me. Don't, you know, <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Hold it between your knees. <laughs> Uh, I, I just want the, I just want things to be the same. I just want, you know what I want? I want Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Oh yeah. Going head to head. Yeah. And that doesn't, that doesn't make me an old, Mm-mm. that's just, that's just what it should be. It's vintage. It's yeah. Vintage. My, my daughter's going through an interesting thing where she's trying some things out. Um, basically, you know, she's still kind of reluctant to try new ish foods, but sometimes she'll just ask for something random to be different like we had pizza the other night and she wanted to get uh pizza with no cheese whoa yeah so you get you get the pizza bread part you get the red sauce and you get the pepperoni but no cheese no cheese not my Uh, kind of thing but she seemed to like it yeah think about that for a while put you put put your put your little uh your little deer stalker hat on Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) i thought for a while i thought uh this was when i was in about sixth grade i thought you know what i'm gonna wear a deer stalker you, this is a terrific story. That's going to be my. And what look. was what was the uh, what was the burn? Yeah, go. Uh, <laughs> what what go, go investigate someone else? Was that it? Yeah, it was, was something yeah. like go well, go solve your mystery, Sherlock Holmes, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And I I slunk out of there fe- feeling like well, and that's you know it's the, it's the same one that where I decided Jethro Tull was going to be my band. Yeah, yeah, that lasted about eight hours. 
Um, yeah, we're pretty much out of topics. I, uh, I should tell our <laughs> listeners, <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes I make, uh, make a playlist for the show. Um, I don't make any money off of this, but if you go to, uh, MerlinM.com slash Merlin's playlists, no Isn't there a way apostrophe. for you to make money off of this? No, I don't want to make money. I just want to make people happy. But if you go on Spotify and search, you'll find uh, we've got some Roderick on the Line playlists up there that you can listen to. you got the it's Made changed. of Cocaine list. Uh, you've got, uh, I forget what was last week's called? Oh, American Car. It's yeah. changed a lot over the years because one of your early uh, life hacks was uh, you were one of the first people that got, uh, that would recommend cameras and then if people went and bought the camera from your link, you would get a dollar, right? Isn't that a thing that yes. you were like a pioneer of? Absolutely. I was a pioneer of that. Yeah. And, uh, and, now, and now, you don't even, now you don't even want to make a dollar off of this playlist, this great playlist. Extra playlist for a dollar. You know what? I'll, I'll break my rule and I'll put this in show notes. <clears throat> it's just a, just a list of links to Spotify playlists. But it's fun to do. It's fun to make. It is. I, I realize that I keep doing that I, in the middle of the night. Um. In the middle of the night, mm-hmm. I worry. Mm-hmm. It's blurry even without light. Wait, I know this. Uh, I um, oh, wait. Uh, not a surf? Yeah, that's right. Good. Uh, I, I, I sometimes post YouTube videos, but then I realize, like, like, I posted this video the other night of Frida from ABBA doing her 80s, uh, her 80s hit, early There's 80s. something going film. on. Phil Collins produced something going on. And then I realized, wait a minute, I've posted that before. Yeah. And that's a thing that you should only post once. Uh, I struggle. There's some things I post a lot. I'll post. Some, there's some things I'll definitely post more than once. Like, uh, like songs or other things. Uh, YouTube videos in particular. I think the video of, um, the who doing a quick one at the Rolling Stones rock and roll that circus. Should be, that should be posted every six months. Pe- people should watch that a lot. Um, almost any version uh, of "Then I'm Telling You uh, I'm Not Leaving" by by any of the great performers of that song should be posted and appreciated. Oh. You think you work hard for a living? You think you work hard? Try, try being try being uh, Jennifer Hudson. That's all I'm saying. That's or, or you say lady. that all the time. Yeah, I do. I say that all the time. I'm always saying that. Uh, uh, other ones. Oh, you know, uh, uh, Sunday Candy by um, Donny Trumpet. That that uh, chance chance the rapper song Sunday Candy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do you know that song Sunday Candy? I do. Yeah, it's a really good song. And the video I, I, is a is a delight. I just I love the video for that. My my family makes fun of me and rolls their eyes because I watch it so much. But I just love that it's presented as like a little play, like a little musical. I love it. How do you feel about the Drake Hotline Bling video? Oh, is that where he's doing the dance? That's the, that's the dance. I think one. I only know it from parodies. Really? Yeah, I've got a list here somewhere. I should do more of these too. I should do lots of things. Yeah, you and me both. Where's my playlist? Show more. Uh, oh, yeah, I got one called Watch Often. Oh, David Letterman's first episode. Lake Street Dive, doing Call Off Your Dogs. Uh, oh, and you have to do Don Rickles on the Carson show. Oh, I'll just disappear into that. I know. Oh, my I God, know. him and Ronnie Dangerfield, I will, just, I will just disappear into those for like a whole night. Oh, and uh, uh, Bebop Deluxe's uh, live performance of Made in Heaven from 1975. I was watching Don Rickles on the Tonight Show the other night, and uh, it's early. It's like seventy-two, mm-hmm. and Don is on there to congratulate Carson on like his twelfth year in the <laughs> in the show business, or his twelfth year on the Tonight Show. Right, and uh, you know it's the cla- it's the classic version of both of these guys. That's just exactly how they yeah, look. Yeah, when in Johnny my was mind. like graying and wearing like yeah. the plaid suits, but they were still smoking. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 
And at one point, Rickles says, well, I mean, you know, like, we're about the same age. I'm 46. <laughs> and Carson's like, I'm 47. What? And he's like, yeah, 46, 47. What? And I'm like, oh, no, no, yeah. no. And oh, I just, uh, you I, know, you know, I just Melania like, Trump up in a ball. Melania Trump is younger than I am. Is that right? Yeah. I had one. I told you the one. I'm younger than, or I'm older than a Supreme Court justice. That hurts. Yeah. Yeah. What was the one? Oh, it's Carol O'Connor. Was like four years younger than me when he started All in the Family. He was in his forties. He's in his like mid to late forties. Yeah. People yeah. used to look. Did people used to look older? I mean, like I know my mom's yeah. yearbook, 1954. Everybody looks like they're in their fifties. We talked about yeah. this. We, you know what? Forget it. We're out of topics. We talked about no, this. No, we're not out of We did. Your mom talked about this. She doesn't. She didn't want to listen to the Beatles. She was listening to different kinds of music. Oh, that's right. You've that's talked about right. that on two different shows. But, and now but I'm talking I, about it. I collect old yearbooks, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> and it's absolutely true. If you pick up a yearbook from 1925, uh, a high school yearbook, all those people look like, I mean, basically like the insurance agent I've been going to for 30 years. I mm -hmm. mean, they all they all look 60 and it's not just haircuts. It's not just their clothes. It really is their faces. And I don't know whether it's because uh, they started like they started butchering chickens when they were 10 years old and they've seen a lot of death. Mm -hmm. Sun damage, secondhand smoke. Uh, but but also it's their uh, their uh, physiognomies mm -hmm. or their physiognomies. Physiognomies, yeah. Uh, up, up, really, I'm going to say up until even the late 60s, up until the, even in the early 60s, people looked old. And it might be, it might be like intermixing hmm. of even, you know, even if you are uh, like a race where if you feel like my parents and my grandparents never miscegenated, they didn't marry or have children outside of their race. Mm -hmm. But even if that's true... Just the people that were by the '60s, communities had become more diasporan, and you were marrying somebody. If you were English and married someone from Scotland, that would have been unusual or rare to have happened. Right. Until America in the yes 20th century. Yeah. And yeah. Just I'm, that, I'm sure it happened, but I bet it didn't happen nearly as much as it did after the 20th century. Right, and even if you moved to the United States, you were still within a community in your of tribe. Like if you're you're Scott. with other Scottish people in West Virginia, right. right? And so, and that little bit of intermixing that happened in the 20th century was enough. That was enough genetic diversification that suddenly we, we looked younger and plumper, and we were taller, and it was just like finally our genes had somewhere to go and express themselves. Where they weren't constantly like recapitulating one another. That's yeah. my theory. Yeah, I'm, I don't I, know. There's, I, there's I, I no... also, I, hmm, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like white people look old faster. I'm trying to avoid being problematic here, but mm. like you know, there's a lot of like Asian and Afri African American ladies where it's kind of hard to tell how old they are. They just mm. look black, good. Black don't crack is what they used to. Is say. that what they say? Yeah. Black don't crack, which which is you know which was was their uh, way of of explaining why there were so many like eighty year old black guys that just looked young and totally great. And, you think it's a melanin issue? Yeah, probably. You're probably a doctor. Just a, it's just a thing where yeah, the pinker your skin, the more vulnerable it is to attack from everything. Yeah, particularly if you're sitting around smoking and eating Cheetos, 
it you know it the makes smoking you pink, the smoking I while. bet takes a lot I I bet that does a lot of the aging. When did people start really smoking? Probably beginning of the twentieth century. Like cigarettes, oh, like cigarettes. Cigarettes, yeah, but I think people were smoking cheroots yeah. and cigars as early as. Well, that's part of what part of the southern economy was exporting tobacco to the United Kingdom mm-hmm. throughout the 19th century. Um, and all those little clay pipes and stuff that you, mm-hmm. s- you find in in archaeological digs. So people were smoking that stuff even in the 18th century, I think. But it was cigarettes. It was it, it was the it was rolled cigarettes that really blew it up. I'm looking at pictures of the president. You know, I don't I never think much about Zachary Taylor. He never. He just doesn't come up. He's from that weird period. Listen to this run. Oh my God, what a run! You got William Henry Harrison. I think he's the guy who died after one month in office. John Tyler, James K. Polk, Zachary Taylor, Millard Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, James Buchanan. It's a it's a it's a rogues gallery. You just don't think a lot of I, I, they don't come up very much, do they? I mean, maybe in historical uh, circles, but I feel like they just don't come up very much. Well, it's in that whole like eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. Yeah, you got Andrew Jackson president. is seven. You got Martin Van Buren, who was very cool looking. Mm-hmm. And then from eighteen forty one to eighteen sixty one, for twenty years, I just I, I don't I don't know much about any of these presidents at all. Well, it's a like a very curious time in American history, right? You're talking about like the age of expansion, age of expansion, but also this was I mean pre Civil War. This was an era when. Um, when the whole dynamic of the United States was here, we have the here we have the northern states that are, for the most part, abolitionist against against slavery, certainly against the expansion of slavery. And right. then you have the, the southern states, which have it wasn't like it just came up in 1860. No, 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 no. This was what they were fighting about, basically, from the founding of the Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the southern states, which had this very patrician uh, mentality, and they also they were very prominent in the Congress. So the Congress tended to be uh, like where the pro-slavery side was really, ex- you know, really standing athwart any attempt to abolish it. Mm-hmm. And so all the expansion that was happening was happening within this context of like, well, this territory wants to become a state. And they're down in the southern part, so we're going to call them a slave state. Yeah. And and then it was like, well, then we have to admit a new state in the north part. Yeah. Like it, it was so. All How do you those solve guys a problem were, like Missouri? That's right. They were all compromised, and then they were also <laughs> compromised by Mexico and Texas and that whole business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and then that is where California came in, and then 1849 they discovered gold right up there where you are, mm-hmm. Sutter's Mill. I'm starting to sound like my dad now. Right up there, your friends up there in Sutter's Mill, <laughs> where they found gold. Just up right there in uh, gold country, they call it. Yeah, right, right there next to you, your friends. You know, uh, you know how kids love um, having things explained to them. Oh yeah, they just they love that. They just crave it. They crave it. My favorites are the things where I try to explain something that seems really simple, and then about two sentences into it, I realize how biased, prejudiced, or potentially problematic my explanation is. And it started off as simple as saying, why are there fans in the seasonal aisle at our Walgreens? Why are there fans in the seasonal well, aisle? We're, well, first of all, as you know, I have always referred to Walgreens as the store that almost has which, everything you need. 
Yes. They, they, they don't have almost everything you need. They almost have everything you need. They, they don't have what you need. They have something that's almost like what you need. And as you know, we have a very small footprint Walgreens. Yes, you but Just do, follow but... me on this. And so we're just walking around. We're going to get the train, and you have conversations, as you do. And I found myself saying, like, well, you know, we're talking about, what were we talking about? The outsized influence of non-coastal states and cities. Right. You could look at this in the electoral college. Right. You think about the way that, you know, there's there are there's an outsized influence that some areas have that's not in keeping with their cultural or populational contribution. Sure. I'm trying to be not a jerk here. Sure. I understand. But I found myself we were talking about I found myself talking about like like, you know, um, like how there's no parking at our Walgreens. You have to go find street parking. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was telling her that when I was growing up in uh, my teen years in Florida, I don't think I was ever in a parking lot that was full, whether that was the mall or later on a Walmart. I, I don't think I ever saw many full parking lots in my life until True. I moved out of Florida. And we're just talking about the difference in, in real estate and availability. And but anyway, it got down to this this thing where I was saying, like, well, you know, you think about the way our Walgreens is laid out or the way our Safeway is laid out. It's like the thing is, they are stocking our Walgreens as though it might as well be in Missouri or North Dakota. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're working at a certain kind of scale that does not accommodate the weirdness of the climate of San Francisco. So it, it is just kind of funny that in the twenties 19 years that i've been here it is funny to me that every summer you go to the seasonal aisle you know you've you've gotten past valentine's day you've gotten past easter and now it's just fun and sun on the beach so it's 48 degrees outside and it's all suntan lotion and umbrellas and fans and nobody nobody just laughs at that and thinks it's funny (laughs) but like that's what's wrong with the electoral college in some ways i mean you know let's be honest right they're stocking fans uh, for states that don't need fans. Everybody else needs those. So, of course, why wouldn't we just stick them in the eye? And I'll even account for the fact, oh, maybe you're going to go travel somewhere where there is sun. But yeah, at least on helpful. this tip of the particular peninsular penis that we call the San Francisco Bay Area, it's fucking cold in the summertime. You, you would be better to have sweatshirts in that aisle than fans. You, you don't need a fan. And I, we had this problem with Walgreens up here. Uh, they were building a, uh, building a new Walgreens here in Seattle. And they said, we have, a, we have a style of architecture we like to call the Walgreens architecture. <laughs> and Seattle was like, tell us more. And they said, well, here's what a Walgreens looks like. And uh, Seattle said, well, that's an abomination. Now, we don't want your Walgreens to look like that. And Walgreens said, well, we own the land and we're going to build a Walgreens in the style of Walgreens. You don't oh, tell... Oh. You don't tell Denny's not to build a, a Denny's. Yeah. And Seattle said, well, in fact, we did tell Denny's not to build a Denny's. And Denny's built their <laughs> Denny's in the style that we told them. There's to. all kinds of places where McDonald's has to go with sign ordinances and put their arches on a pretty wooden sign that's no taller than six feet. Right. And so we said to Walgreens, you cannot build a Walgreens on that corner, which we are, which is in the center of town, which we are trying to, like, perform this density magic on and the citizens rose up and there were all these meetings and you know it's typical sort of seattle thing but walgreens ended up building a five-story tall apartment building Hmm. over over their walgreens and i'm sure there's somebody in the corporate office office at walgreens that still to this day like wakes up in the middle of the night 
shuddering that they didn't get to build their Walgreens. That's super. I'm looking at this. Is it kind of like, uh, I don't want to say Chicago style, but kind of old school, like whitish, big corner blocky things, reddish toward the middle? Yep. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. Walgreens was really opposed to it. And in that spot, they wanted to just build their one story tall, like stupid looking warehouse building. And uh, and Seattle like stood up to him. I'll be damned. Yeah, that's that looks you know, cool. It's kind of old school. Yeah, it's better. It's better than what 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 it could have been. Yeah. yeah. You know, I always think about that period of U.S. presidents where uh, where, and I think of them as the facial hair years. Yeah, that's after. That's like starting with Lincoln, kind of right. Yeah. Well, Lincoln was the first one with a beard. They, but you're getting into the uh, the Grant, Hayes, Garfield, Arthur, right. Cleveland. Right. Harrison, Benjamin Harrison, Grover Cleveland, all the way up up to McKinley. They all had uh, facial hair. Well, in, and then, then... They all look like a box of cough drops. Then they kept going. It was all the way to Taft, because mm-hmm. they, were, they were the mustache years, right? The mm-hmm. Roosevelt and Taft had the stashes. And I just keep, I keep hoping that one day we'll have another mustache. I think we should have some women for a while. Please. But then eventually we should have a guy with a mustache. And I don't know how to get back to that. Mm-hmm. You know, in the 70s, there was a governor of the state of Alaska named Jay Hammond. And he had a big beard. He looked like Grizzly Adams. And he was like the governor of the state who wore flannel shirts. And he was soft-spoken, mellow, groovy guy. He was a Republican. But like a he was very much in keeping with Alaska. And if you ask Alaskans now to rate all the governors... Jay Hammond always is the the favorite governor. Huh. Even though he presided over a period of Alaska where basically his governorship was like, yeah, sure. Like he was the yeah, sure governor. <laughs> but not, you know, it wasn't like, yeah, sure, you can have a Ku Klux Klan up here. But it was basically like, yeah, yeah if you if you want to start up a bulldozer and drive it that way and, you know, and like put the blade down and just keep going that direction until until you've made a road. Uh, sure. That's fine. You what know, what years are we talking about here? Eh, Mid seventies. Okay. Uh, Jay Hammond. Jay Hammond. Put that in. You'll you'll see. He's a very handsome man, and and in a style that you just don't see anymore. In oh, look in at him. He's hardy. Yeah. And and I he just looks feel like a character like, actor. I feel, yeah, for sure. I feel like Jay Hammond was what all Alaska governors should look like. Mm-hmm. And, um. And you just, there aren't governors like that anymore where it's just like, R, <laughs> R, sure, whatever, you know? If we're going to see a mustache president in our time, uh, it's hard to say. Obviously, you're hitting a moving target here, but what would you look for in terms of the mustache and the man? Like, what would you, what would you, what do you think would, what do you think would make it? I don't want an over-trimmed beard or mustache. It needs to be like, it needs to be full. Mm-hmm. I don't want one of those Dave Navarro beards where he's like drawing it in with a sharpie. <laughs> um, but the the mustache can't the mustache can't be sleazy. It's got to be right. you know it's got to be like uh, it's got to have authority. Uh, I try this all the time with my mustache. Where do you draw the line? Like you don't want it in your food. Yeah, but you also want it to communicate that you know that like you can read a map. Oh, yeah. I went through this in my recent beard adventure where it was the longest I'd gone with, you know, not shaving, with getting a beard. And I had an honest-to-God beard. 
But uh, the mustache is always the hard part. And like, you really got to trim it or it kind of gets into your mouth yep. and you get a Ty Cobb kind of thing going on. But you also yep. want it to, that's the part that's like slowest to thicken up in some ways. Yes, it is. Unless you're, you know, some people, some people have a face for that. But uh, I found it very challenging. Yeah, you got your lonely sandwiches that can grow a beard in an afternoon. Right, Dan Benjamin, same way. Dan Benjamin, you know, he's it's, growing it, a beard right now. It's tricky, though, because you think about, like, you take something like even a John Waters. Like, that might be a little bit too trim. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you sure. know what I'm saying? But, but Clark Gable somehow pulled that off for decades. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, he was a little bit, you know, a little touch mm, and go. On a little bit of feet, though, like for a president today. No, you couldn't get away with that. You could. It's too, it's too, you're you too much of an auteur. I bet you full but trimmed mustache and beard i bet i bet that would fly i think the i think the millenniums have have embraced the beard so strong that by the time we we have a a millennium president Mm -hmm. it will be uh, the only problem is they'll have a macklemore haircut but they'll have like a nice glorious beard and we'll be we'll be back to trusting beards again that's true i mean that's my goal i don't i think i realize that i'm not going to be president because i don't like to run for office and i think liking running for office is a key component of ending up being the president yeah probably but you become like, very you know, wise very wise about that yeah, yeah yeah i i now i you know i consult the tea leaves and they continue to say do not think about it because there's a lot of hullabaloo now about the city council up here being out of touch and people are edging up to me at parties and elbowing me in the ribs like hey what do you think and i'm like leave me out of it I don't even want to know about you it. you got to start canoodling with those uh, those, those uh, jackals at the stranger again. Get them on your side. Oh, uh, no, no, no. It's too late for that. But I do feel like still, and, and particularly with the Trump administration, I feel like I'm in the running for director of CIA. Oh, you could be up there. You never waterboarded anybody as far as we know. Well, and you, how many, you have to go, I mean, he's gone through a lot of people. Like, I've got to be on the list somewhere. Oh, I'm, for shizzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I get yeah. closer and closer all the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd be, oh, I'd be so good at that job, and I'd bring a beard to it. Yeah, you'd be a good administrator. You'd be a good listener. I bet. I feel like, I feel like that. I would respect the institutional culture of the place while also implementing some reforms. Hmm. What kind of reforms do you think you bring? <laughs> well, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like CIA has gone a, a, a field mm-hmm. of its, of its real. Of its real purpose, I mean, you know, of its initial. Of its like uh, spook roots. Yeah, it needs to get spookier, but you know, less like dependent on technology and more boots on the ground. Mm. You know, I'd like to see a lot more agents out in the field. uh, You know, learning other languages, um, writing in invisible ink. Oh God, I would love that. You know, I feel like there should be cars. Could you have uh, that, pigeon drops and blind drops? Yeah, blind drops. You want cars that emit smoke screens. Oh, God, yes. Um, you know, license plates that flip around. I don't think you need, like, a lot of satellites. I don't I don't think you need... Like a, like a screen that comes up in the back so people can't shoot your uh, back windshield out? Yeah, where the bullets, like, ricochet. There's There needs to be more ricocheting bullets. What about, uh, what about an injector seat? There ought to be an ejector seat. Mm-hmm. There ought to be machine guns behind the headlights. Oh God! But I think I think you know. <laughs> I put, think you've got you've really got a platform already. If you put people out in the field, that's what I'm saying. More <clears throat> operatives and less mm-hmm. of this. You know, less like listening into phone calls and trying to you know all this kind of business. And I believe every once in a while we should buy a Lamborghini for a Saudi prince mm-hmm. in order to get a phone <clears throat> number. Sure. Like that seems you gotta like break some eggs. Of, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think you should. I think there should be people riding around on scooters in Bangalore. Interesting. So it's sort of along the lines of like um, some some places have been trying to move to more you know, like community policing and beat cops. You're mm-hmm. saying, except instead it's, it's secret agents overseas. Precisely. And and the thing is, you don't need waterboarding. It doesn't Mm-mm. work. It's not effective. What you need are informants. You need your huggy bears. Uh, that's true. Right. You need yes. people that you, you that you talk to all the time, and you're like, hey. And every once in a while, sure, somebody's going to get their fingernails pulled out with pliers. Well, it's just the cost that's, of doing business. Sure. And that's not a thing where you're trying to get information. That's just more of like, hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. Like, I got to stay did sharp. The, you did the wrong thing, and we got to take your fingernails. <laughs> like, it's a, you know, it's cost of doing business. Yeah. But, I mean, I think every, think every we should have, we should have 600 people out there that have four or five passports in a, in a safe deposit box somewhere. Um. And that's not, you know, that's not even counting like Smiley and those guys who just walk around in trench coats and think hard about stuff. Oh, like a think tank kind of thing. That's what we need. We need thinkers. We need people thinking about it. We need Roy Scheider. Could they be smoking a pipe? They ought to be. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them. You know, you get a Roy Scheider type that has to that has to wear a tighter collar. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, like, and we should be recruiting. We should be recruiting booksellers. Who uh, who make frequent tri- trips to Russia? Hmm. Like it, it just feels like it just feels like normal stuff. They're just sleeping on the job with all this stuff, leaving it, leaving it for the future. Now, what about the millenniums? What do you think they'll do for the CIA? Well, the problem is they're just going to computer. They're just computer, computer. Oh, I get it. They're going to get snap goggles or something like that. Yeah, snap goggles. They're going to be Snapchatting, and that's not where it is. That's not where it's happening. Boots on the you ground. Know, I, I thought about this the other day. You know, we 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 forget that all the things that we used to think were inevitable, a lot of them weren't. You know, we thought we were all going to die in a nuclear holocaust, that it wasn't conceivable that we wouldn't, just given the temperature mm-hmm. of, the, of the world. Right. It, something had to go wrong. It had to happen. But it didn't. And we thought there were going to be flying cars and all these things that we thought were inevitable, and it, they ended up not being inevitable. And so when I look at my kid... And you spend a lot of time thinking like, well, it's inevitable that they're going to be living in this world of you know, augmented reality and they're just going to be completely tied to the Internet. And it's and there's going to it's just going to be they're going to be these these weird robotic people that that just sit and have like uh, Internet sex while wearing a PVC bodysuit. <laughs> and, they, and they think they're going to be flying Everybody's over gonna be a future sex cyborg. Yeah, right. That's you just feel like, oh, that's just where it's going. Why do I even bother keep my kid away from YouTube videos? She might yeah. as well learn about, you know, shisa porn now. <laughs> but in fact, it's not inevitable. Oh. And I and I talk to young people all the time who are just like, do oh, you? it just sucks. I do. Uh-huh. I do. I'm out in the world. I'm in the rock business. Pe- young people come to me for counsel all yes, the time. Yes, yes. They're like, you know, does this does this look infected? Like I hear from them a lot. Right, right, right. And uh, and it feels like, wait a minute, there's nothing inevitable about it. We might just all suddenly turn against the Internet and just say, this isn't working. There's another way to do this where we get the good parts and we don't have to be mired in this shit show. I believe it. You know, yeah. I believe it. I believe it's possible. We're not. It doesn't have to be that we're all on Facebook or whatever the future. Version. I mean, it could be all of these things. I think the one thing that I, I very much believe in is that people my age and older are going to continue to die and continue to stop having undue influence. Ugh, I hope so. It's just it's the worst. I mean, that's the problem 
is us. The problem is, I mean, I'm not even going to say specifically my age, but yeah, let's say people over 40 are the problem. You know, they, I don't think so. I disagree with you there. Do you? I mean, because, not including your mom. I, I mean, I, I think definitely the baby boomers had a lot of bad influence. And I think part of the millennial, um, a part of what I what what makes them kind of problematic for me is that they adopted a lot of the patterns of their parents who were baby boomers who were not necessarily Generation Xers. Mm -hmm. But no, I feel like people in their 40s, 50s and 60s have a lot to offer the world in terms of experience. And we're not. I mean, I do not believe yeah. that high school kids should be spearheading the movement for gun control. I think it's lovely that they do. But really, we should be doing that. Yeah, and yeah, we, yeah. Have, we have failed it. And I don't, I don't trust any 46-year-old who says, thank God these, we should turn the reins over to these 17-year-olds. Because 17-year-olds don't have any judgment and they don't have any experience. They should not be running the world at all. Absolutely not. And neither should 25-year-olds. Like I, the, I just the, feel like, you know, maybe I just I probably I watch too much cable news. I, I remarked the other night that everybody who's out to defend our president right now looks like either an apple core or a moist human thumb. And I think we just need to get that cohort of people, the cores and the thumbs, like when they die off, there's always going to be cores and thumbs. God bless them. And people are going to live forever. That's going to be fine. But it's just these dug in people from two generations ago that like feel like such a karma suck to any good change. Well, they are. But the problem is... But then you have Paul Ryan. Look at Paul Ryan. He's, he's all hale the, and healthy, and he's the worst. He's, he's the worst. And the, the, the thing is that cores and thumbs, until just the last 10 years, <laughs> had no, they were, there was no visibility. They've always been those people, but there wasn't an internet. So they weren't on Facebook. You never saw them. Yeah. And they didn't feel politically empowered. They just sat in their, you know, little hovels and they were like, God damn, the verb, verb. Yeah. But now everybody's got an equal voice. And, you know, I'm, I guess, an, a little bit <laughs> of, a, at least politically, an oligarchist. I don't think that those those dum-dums should have equal voice to somebody that has a degree in political science. Mm -hmm. And the idea that we have in America where we were experiencing or we're experimenting with democracy for decades for for 200 years and then you arrive at a place where okay well this is what how do, you know this health this is what democracy looks like and mm -hmm. it's like yeah actually take a closer look at that is that what you want um or or do there need to be i guess what we used to have which was checks and balances oh i remember and, that you know if you have democracy where everybody is on the internet and they're like well you know what i think mm -hmm. the earth is flat and it's like are we really talking about this yeah so no, We're still talking I think, about that. I think that you that there's a reason that people in their 40s and 50s are running things, and it's because, you know, if you're 24 and somebody says, "Oh, college should be free," you've never thought about why that might be hard to implement. Right. Not impossible, but it's also not a thing that you like elect a president about. You got to move some furniture around if you're going to do something like you, that. You do, and you can be against banks. I'm against banks. But have you ever thought about what happens if you take banks away? Hmm. You don't just take banks away. It's got to be a like, cryptocurrency. Banks do things. Mm -hmm. And you might hate them. The, the worst of them are the worst. But, like, banks are, they do a job. And if, I mean, you know, like, look, I'm against private property as much as the next progressive. Oh, boy. <laughs> mm. Anyway, anyway. So, yeah, I, I think, um, I think that maybe we're not all going to be. 
you know, oh, Merlin, I've been on 4chan. Oh, John, I thought we talked about this, buddy. We, we did. I know it's really bad. It's so much worse than it was even. Well, if you spend half the time that you would have spent on 8chan with 4chan, you're probably in good shape. And I, you know, I don't even get me started on the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I won't. <laughs> <laughs>